The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. I'm your host, Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 90, nine zero of the podcast. Today is April 29th, early afternoon, beautiful day for a margarita, which is what I'm sipping on right now. And I am joined all the way in New Jersey by my co-host, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you doing on this Sunday afternoon, my friend? Bill, it is a beautiful day in New Jersey. It's looking like spring has finally arrived. Hopefully it stays like this for a while. Yeah, the New York, New Jersey area gets about two weeks of spring. And then it's going to be, you know, hot as a rhino's nutsack for a while. And then you'll get about a week and a half of fall. That'll be gorgeous. And then you'll be buried in snow. <laughs> These are the seasons in New York and New Jersey. It's like, uh, it's like right around 80 degrees here in Florida. So nice day. I'm going to, I'm going to smoke some chicken wings this afternoon, actually. So right after we wrap up the show, I got some mesquite wood chips. I'm going to throw them in the grill and uh, I got two big packs of chicken wings. Going to do them with a half of them with a, a garlic dry rub and the other half with a spicy red pepper dry rub. I'll throw up some, some pictures on social media for anyone who's interested at MMA on the rock. So you can check that out. So first time smoking chicken wings. So we'll see how it goes. I might end up ordering a pizza, but in any case, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to drink some beers and, you know, maybe have a cigar. Well, I think it takes like two and a half hours to smoke chicken wings. So just going to relax today. I'm having a, uh, I said I was having a margarita, but I'm, it's actually just like tequila and, and flavored seltzer. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it, it, the easy margarita. I don't like a lot of sugar. You know this, Jeff. So I got my Tietas tequila, which Tietas means earth, I believe, from the last time we talked about this means earth in Spanish and uh, really nice tequila. Uh, it's it's hard to come by, so whenever I find it, I pick up a bottle. So I just did that with some uh, raspberry and lime seltzer, and uh, it's pretty nice. It's hitting the spot right now, and I'm sure it will taste even better when I'm out in the sun smoking these chicken wings. Speaking of getting smoked, Frank Mir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, I... I did not see this fight going down this way. So uh, for those of you who don't know, there was a Bellator card last night. Um, I know we, we talked about there's going to be a couple of weeks off without any MMA action. I was not excited for this. If you told me Frank Mir was fighting Fedor like five years ago, I would have been all over this. I would have paid to watch it on pay-per-view. That would have been an awesome fight. Uh, you know, peak Frank Mir and peak Fedor, I think are both in the argument for greatest heavyweights of all time. I think Frank Mir can definitely be considered to be one of the best heavyweight submission artists of all time, if anything. So that was the main event. Uh, the undercard had 
actually nobody worth mentioning on it, but it, it turned out to be a pretty decent card. I didn't watch it live. I recorded it and I watched it when I got home last night. And, you know, the main card, it had, it started out four submissions in a row and then the knockout of Frank Mir in the first round in the main event, which was a pretty crazy main event. It was very back and forth. Uh, Fedor got wobbled a little bit and then he actually took Frank Mir down, um, but he wasn't able to hold him. He, he had a nice judo throw on him or a Sambo throw, I guess, which they're, they're pretty similar. Uh, they, they look about the same to the untrained eye. And yeah, he wound up catching Mir uh, with a left and Mir's standup looked really sloppy. He looked really nervous in there. He, he was coming in with his head down and kind of swinging punches wildly, which is not his style. The last few times he's fought, his striking actually looked a lot cleaner. Like, it, you know, he had some fairly polished Muay Thai in his last couple of fights. But I think right as this fight was about to start, he realized that he was in there with Fedor. And I, I think it got in his head is, is what actually happened. Um, and he panicked. And <laughs> you can't panic against Fedor because he's so explosive still, even at 41, 42 years old, uh, he still has that explosive power that he had back in pride. Uh, did you catch any of this, Jeff? Yeah, I saw some of the final exchange in this really short fight. It was only 48 seconds into round one, but a lot happened. And dude, I caught the end of it. And we've always talked about how power is the last thing to go when you're a heavyweight. And that's certainly the case for Fedor. Um, he caught Frank Mir with a very nice shovel hook, which is a punch that is in between the angles of an uppercut and a hook. So that like diagonal in between. Um, so he caught him with a shovel hook, dropped him, landed a couple of punches, and the ref stopped it immediately. Very nice finish for Fedor. And dude, Frank Mir just look, I think I agree with you a little bit. I think he was a little bit too much in awe of Fedor Emelianenko, but also I feel like he got a little too trigger happy once he hurt Fedor because at one point he had him up against the cage. He was landing some very nice uppercuts to the head, and I think Mir kind of just thought he had it in the bag from there. I think he was looking for the finish and, you know, wasn't moving his head at all. He was throwing looping punches, and like you said, total opposite of how he's looked in his last couple of fights. Yeah, he's usually a lot more disciplined uh, in his striking. Um, but and, and usually he's able to let the striking go because he's not worried about being taken down. So if he's, if he's getting the better of the striking, he'll still let some kicks go because he's not worried about being on bottom because you know he can submit almost anybody. So Mir also was looking fucking huge. Uh, it seems like he's happy to, and we lost connection for a second here, but I think we're back. Hi, Bill. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, folks. In any case, yeah, Mir looking huge. Fedor, you know, dad bod as ever. Uh, but, you know, that's always been his thing. He's always carried a little bit of extra weight. He only weighs in around like 230 something. So, if he lost that midsection, he could probably easily fight at light heavyweight, but I think he enjoys having that speed advantage at heavyweight. So now 
for those of you who remember, this is a heavyweight Grand Prix tournament. So the next round will be Fedor against the American gangster Chael Sonnen. Uh, so Chael, I think, could possibly be the dark horse in this tournament because he is not a name who's come up as being a potential winner, but he looked great against Rampage. Uh, his boxing looked awesome, and his wrestling, of course, looked great. Fedor, not a huge heavyweight, so I don't think Chael would have a problem taking him down, but I don't know how many shots Chael can take uh, You know, if, if Fedor is as explosive as he was against Frank Mir. So that's actually a pretty interesting fight now that I'm talking through it, but uh, I'm still not like, you know, I'm not going to cancel plans for, for any of these Bellator cards. They're just not, they're just not doing it for me. And then on the other side of the bracket, we have Matt Mitrione waiting to find out who his opponent is going to be between Ryan Bader and King Mo Lawal. So, uh, and also two more light heavyweights. So at, at the end of the day, you only have, like a 25% chance of actually getting two heavyweights in the <laughs> in the final of this heavyweight tournament, which is kind of strange to think about because you're going to have Fedor versus essentially a middleweight in Chael Sonnen, and then you're going to have Mitrione against a light heavyweight, either Bader or King Mo. Uh, I, know, I know King Mo has fought at heavyweight before, but he's a light heavyweight. He's not. He's not a heavyweight fighter, but in any case, uh, what are your thoughts on this tournament, Jeff? Are you feeling like I am like a little lethargic about it or, or can you, uh, can you convince me otherwise? I don't know, man. Uh, like you said, we got two guys in here, four guys in here left in the tournament who are, I'm sorry, three guys who are not natural heavyweights. One of them, Bill even fought at middleweight for a bit. So it's a little, it's a little crazy, um, and a lot of these guys have. Uh, I don't want to say they're past their prime, but I mean that's kind of where I place them, unfortunately. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So, um, but dude, I am interested in this Chael Sonnen versus Fedor Emelianenko matchup because I think Sonnen has the speed advantage. I think he has the grappling to be able to hold Emelianenko down. I don't yeah. think it'll be easy, but I think he can do it. But then you've got Fedor, who showed last night that if, if he can get one good shot on Chael, I think it could be game over. So I'm really interested for that matchup. As for Ryan Bader versus King Mo, I'll be honest with you, I've never really cared for King Mo. He's never impressed me. I've never been like, oh, wow, King Mo was going to fight. Even when he fought Rampage, I wasn't super excited about it. Yeah, and they they actually had some drama behind that. It was like personal between those two, and I I couldn't have cared less either. When I think the last time they fought, it was at heavyweight because you know Rampage enjoys the buffets. Like <laughs> we know he loves to eat Chinese. So, um, <laughs> in any case, the rest of this card um, it wasn't looking good for former UFC fighters. Sam Cecilia and Gerald Harris both uh, submitted in the first rounds of their fight. So Sam Cecilia was submitted uh, by Emmanuel Sanchez, who got a nasty arm triangle, a standing arm triangle on Sam Cecilia, which you should not be getting on people in a <laughs> at the professional level. And 
you know, he just kind of fell to the ground and, and Sanchez fell kind of on his side, like a half rear naked choke with the arm in uh, half arm triangle. It wasn't a very orthodox position for this submission, but it looked really tight. It looked really nasty. And uh, he got the tap from San Cecilia before the end of the first round. And then uh, Gerald Harris got arm barred uh, a minute into his fight with Rafael Lovato Jr. Uh, any thoughts on either of those two submission victories, Jeff? Yeah, the Sanchez submission with the standing arm triangle. It was nice, man. The way he transitioned to the back off uh, when they hit the ground it was really nice. So, yeah, it was, it was a really weird submission, but really nice. The Rafael Lovato Jr. submission was nice. Uh, but, Bill, I think it's important to note that that was a catch weight about 188. I don't think uh, someone didn't make weight, Bill. Not that I count much because it's Bellator. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't even know that until you pointed it out, and I actually watched the card. Uh, I, I didn't have the volume on because I was watching it. Um, I was watching it late at night last night. I got home late and, um, you know, I was just having a little bourbon. I had to volume down because the baby was sleeping. You know, I was, I was watching in bed. So maybe they talked about it. Maybe they didn't. But in any case, uh, it, it was great action. I mean, four submissions in a row uh, to kick off this card. So I want to talk about the, the, uh, the first arm triangle choke of the night, and that was uh, Neiman Gracie. Uh, hitting it on Javier Torres. It was kind of nice seeing uh, Neiman Gracie's corner. He had both Henzo and Hoist Gracie in his corner, um, which was, uh, or Hoist was kind of not really in his corner. He was just there, but he got in the ring after. But it was kind of cool seeing Henzo and, and Hoist uh, together. Um, they're, they're probably going to sign Bellator fights <laughs> and they'll be fighting, uh, I don't know, someone who's almost dead. Uh, <laughs> in any case, it was a really interesting arm triangle by Neiman Gracie because what he did was he locked it up, he got off to the side, but then what I thought was interesting, and I don't think I've seen this before, he slid, so he was uh, face down, and he had the arm triangle on his uh, left side. So he jumps off to his right, uh, with the triangle locked up and then he slid his left knee under Javier's back. So he had his knee kind of lifting Javier's lower back up off the air as he was putting the pressure down on his neck with the arm triangle. Uh, I hope I'm describing this properly. Uh, I want to share a picture of it though, because I didn't notice it until after I watched the replay a couple of times that he did this and it kind of makes sense. I know you and I are both fans of this submission, Jeff. So I'm thinking maybe it's a new twist on it, but uh, some really, really clean jujitsu from Neiman Gracie. He, he uh, had Javier's uh, legs locked up in the first round. Uh, he was looking for uh, heel hooks and straight ankle locks, but couldn't really get anything. It was kind of a weird position. He had a triangle over both of Javier's legs and, um, he was kind of playing around with them, but he couldn't really lock anything up. But wh what are your thoughts on the arm triangle finish, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I love the arm triangle. And like you said, we're both fans of it. Uh, I feel like with this move, man, you just let gravity do the work. 
So it's interesting to see that uh, left knee that you're talking about because it looked to me like he was maybe doing it to block Javier Torres's hips uh, from coming towards and towards him and trying to like jump on his back or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. I might have to look at that one again. That's an interesting observation you made. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna explore this a little bit. Maybe it was maybe he was doing what you were saying, or maybe it it puts more pressure on the neck. Um, Either way, uh, I'm interested to find out. So I have to talk to my jiu-jitsu coach about that one on Monday. And then I don't want to give this too much time. Dylan Dennis made his Bellator debut. Of course, one of Conor McGregor's training partners. Uh, this guy's a piece of shit. Uh, he was suspended from <laughs> he was suspended from Marcelo Garcia's gym in New York City. Now he's like a black belt under Marcelo Garcia, who is arguably one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners of all time. Uh, but he actually suspended this guy from his gym, which tells me he must have done something really shitty because I know people who know Marcelo personally, and he's like the nicest, most humble guy, uh, you know, just kind to everybody. He's a total killer, but really nice to everybody. So if you get suspended from his gym, you must be a real shithead. His wrestling looked like fucking garbage. And he submitted a guy who had a record of two and three and was submitted in his last two fights. So he was brought in there like as a feeder fish, uh, caught him with a, with a toehold. Um, but he pulled guard. I mean, who pulls guard? Don't do that. Fucking <laughs> don't, don't pull guard. What are we doing Sam MMA. <laughs> go back, go back to Abu Dhabi. If you want to pull guard, uh, in any case, any, any thoughts on this guy, Jeff? Uh, two things. One, <clears throat> excuse me. I noticed that, uh, like you said, his wrestling wasn't that great, and his takedowns were being set up by taking punches to the face. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I mean, dude, I think anybody who is, you know, has a little bit of a better record, even in Bellator, I think knocks this guy out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also. It was a catchweight bout at 175. I think Kyle Walker is a lightweight, if I'm not mistaken. So if this is all true, Dylan Dennis beat someone 20 pounds lighter than him. Mm. So, I mean, I, I'd have to do some research on that. I probably won't because I don't care. But, you know, Dylan Dennis wasn't super impressed with him. Uh, he did get a nice toehold, which I can appreciate. But... Overall, he's got a, he's got a, a couple of things to work on. Maybe Conor McGregor could help him with his striking. Yeah, it looked like he kind of had Conor's stance, but uh, after that, it was it was lost. I mean, it looked like um, you know somebody showing up for their first cardio kickboxing class. Uh, <laughs> in any case, I don't really want to give this guy a time of day, but uh, you know he was there, and it was a story, so we mentioned it. But uh, that's all I'm going to give him. Any other thoughts on this? card which uh took place in right near chicago i believe jeff yeah i thought it was overall a pretty good card at least the main card looked really entertaining um but uh it's about time bellator yeah i mean it was it was cool but you know i i still can't i can't get motivated for these bellator cards lately and i was a big bellator advocate for a while i liked a lot of the moves they were making and um, I don't know, man. It's just like they, they lost some steam. Like they signed some great fighters. They're 
the uh, their their welterweight division is pretty solid. I still think that Michael Chandler is is one of the best fighters in the world, uh, it, not just in Bellator. Uh, I would like to see him against uh, you know the really stacked lightweight division in the UFC. Uh, the other thing that came out of this was um, uh, a fighter who I don't want to mention again on this show called out Ben Askren. In any case, Ben Askren. Uh, has been advocating for a fight against GSP, which looks like it's not going to happen. It's just not uh, a big enough fight for GSP to take. So uh, he's he's now gone on to calling out Rory McDonald, but it seems like Scott Coker doesn't want to sign Ben Askren, which, you know, you and I have been saying we would love to see him in the UFC and facing some of this top competition, but there must be something going on behind the scenes that this guy must be really hard to work with because... Uh, nobody seems to want to sign him. So I don't know if he's just difficult in negotiations or or what's going on there. Scott Coker basically said he doesn't want anything to do with him. Um, Dana White won't even comment it on, uh, anymore, but you know the guy's been on Rogan's podcast, and, and Rogan is buddies with Dana White, and uh, they can't get this guy you know, signed to one of the big organizations. So... There must be something that we don't know, Jeff. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Ben Askren situation? Honestly, Bill, if I had to guess, I would just assume that maybe he's asking for too much money. You know, money that maybe someone like Dana White or Scott Coker wouldn't want to put up for someone who is undefeated, but one, probably isn't too well known with hardcore fans, and two, a lot of his, a lot of his wins are by decision, he grinds out people with his wrestling, which, you know, you and I are both big fans of grappling, but we've said this before in the marketing aspect, people don't want to see someone lie on top of another dude for uh, five rounds, you know? Yeah. Um, I, as far as Ben Askren goes, I think that, uh, that that's been, that's been cleared up for a little while because his last five or six fights, I think most of them have been finishes. Um, but then you have to also question the level of competition. I mean, it, he's an interesting matchup for the top guys. And yeah, you don't want to see a guy like that come in out of nowhere and beat, you know, your champions or anything like that. Um, because that's not good for marketing. But I mean, if the guy's the best out there, then he should have the chance to compete against the best. So I don't know what's going on there, but, uh, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it either way. Um, so the, the next UFC card coming up is UFC 224 Nunez versus Pennington. And we can leave that to break down next week because uh, it's still not until May 12th. And then the card after that was meant to be headlined by Kamaro Usman and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, that was fight night 129. But uh, Ponzinibbio had to pull out of that fight. So I don't know if you've heard this or not, Jeff, but uh, Damian Maya has stepped up on what I believe is a little over three weeks notice to uh, take on Kamaru Usman. Um, I think you really have to admire Damian Maya because he's always willing to step in at the last minute uh, to take on anybody pretty much. Uh, so that's kind of cool, but uh, I think I was, I think I was more excited about the previously scheduled matchup uh what are your what are your thoughts on damian maya stepping up here jeff 
Listen, you gotta love Demi and Maya. I love anybody who's willing to step in last minute against someone as dangerous as Kamara Usman. Even when he's at thirty percent, Bill, he's super dangerous. So, um, um, yeah, dude. Uh, well, I gotta be honest. I'm a little bit less excited. Maya, not known for striking, so you can expect this one to be a grinder. You can expect this one to be a big grappling match. Hopefully it's entertaining still because uh, Maya and Usman are both really good grapplers. But, um, yeah, poor Ponzinibbio. I think he uh, messed up his wrist or something. I think he broke his hand. I don't know. Something happened. I saw him in a cat with a cast on his uh, left wrist, I believe. Yeah. So hopefully this is still some entertaining stuff. Yeah. Um, so we'll have another week off in any case, uh, where we can break these things down in more detail. And then uh, May is looking like a pretty fun month. We have UFC 224 on May 12th, Fight Night 129 on May 19th. Then May 27th is Fight Night 130, and that is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Darren Till, which that's an awesome fight. Uh, and then before you know it, we're into June, and... Uh, we got Whitaker Romero too, June 9th. And then there's another fight night uh, on the 1st of June as well. So, uh, you know, we'll enjoy these two weeks off, of course. And then uh, it's going to be a marathon uh, leading up to the summer, which is nice. And then before you know it, Jeff, it's International Fight Week. And then, uh, and then it'll be snowing in New York again. So, uh, that's it. I just blew through the whole summer. So for any teachers listening, I'm sure I just depressed the shit out of you, but, uh, in any case, uh, anything else going on in the MMA world you wanted to bring up Jeff? Well, let's see. Conor McGregor hasn't done anything crazy, so we're good on that front. Yeah. Um, I think he's a, uh, on parole or something or <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Bill, um, yeah, it's looking like May's going to be a lot of fun. The lead up to the um, UFC 225, which is the rematch between Whitaker and Romero, is looking awesome. Dude, I think we're in for a very fun stint of good fight cards. Yeah, and uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up, Jeff, I know you started watching this week, uh, the most recent season, season of uh, The Ultimate Fighter, which is coached by... Heavyweight champion Steve Miocic and light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. And of course, they're going to fight uh, in June as well, I believe. I, I think they're on the 225 card. Uh, I could look that up real quick. But uh, two episodes into this season, I'm really enjoying it, Jeff. Uh, it seems like Stipe and DC are uh, playing some pranks on each other. So Stipe went and uh, put some posters in their locker room of, of uh, himself and john volante naked from the way up together to symbolize a heart and then uh daniel cormier decided like hey nobody watches the ultimate fighter anymore i'm gonna bust into their locker room and whip my dick out and wag it in their faces uh because <laughs> nobody's <laughs> nobody's watching anymore so it doesn't really matter uh what are your thoughts on this season jeff and it, the fights have been great too i mean these guys are all undefeated in here lightweights and featherweights uh what are your thoughts on this bill i'm loving this season so far i think that the <laughs> what you 
um, DC coming up to Stipe Miocic when he's uh, sitting there and just whipping out his junk has been one of my favorite scenes. Mostly because it was with his back to the camera, so I didn't have to see anything. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, dude, the pranks have been funny. Um, and dude, there's some, you got some characters on the show, man. Um, the one dude, I can't remember their names off the top of my head because there's so many of them, but the one guy is like an engineer. Uh, he like has his degree for him. He's a genius. He's a big nerd. He's into like comics and stuff. And he's like, you know what? Before I become an engineer, I want to live out my dream and fight because I probably won't get to do it after I become an engineer. And then the one dude's like, I think he just got eliminated this week. Uh, for any of you who didn't watch, but uh, I don't know his name, so spoiler alert, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's like a professional llama shearer. He shears yeah. llamas as his career. Oh man, yeah, this is an I, awesome cast. I always have a hard time with the Ultimate Fighter. I can't, I can never remember the fighters' names unless it's like a comeback season. Uh, until the end, like I just don't. I don't, I don't know, maybe subconsciously I don't bother learning their names until they're actually in the UFC and they have a contract and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm actually really enjoying this season, Jeff. And I think they're going to get rid of it, and especially with uh, losing the Fox um, contract. Uh, I think they're just going to move to just doing the Contender Series, which I'm fine with. But, you know, it's been 27 seasons of the same thing. But th this season kind of reminds me of like the old school Ultimate Fighter when it was really enjoyable. You know, the coaches are are pranking each other and everybody's kind of light and the, the fights are really good. You know, you got some really high caliber athletes on this season, which is it's awesome. So if you haven't seen any of this season, I would recommend checking it out. Uh, you know, you can you could find the first two episodes on demand and then. Wednesday nights, uh, you just jump right into episode three. They usually show last week's episode at nine o'clock and then a new episode at 10 or last week at 10 and the new at 11. I don't remember what it is, but, you know, check with your local cable provider on that one. Uh, in any case, Jeff, I got some chicken wings to start smoking. Uh, unless you have anything else you want to get off your chest, uh, we can wrap this thing up here. Yeah, Bill, that's all I got for you today, Bill. All right. Well, it's going to be chicken wings and tequila for the rest of the day for me. Maybe a cigar. I don't know. If you want to find out what I'm up to, you can check me out on social media at MMA on the rocks. And if you want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. For Jeff the Animal Wilson, my name is Bill Welker. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>